So, what we're going to start on today is talking about what was happening in the very uh, beginning of Jesus' ministry. So we're going to be turning to Luke, the fourth chapter. And we're going to be starting at verse 14, but just to put you in context here, (laughs) in chapter 3, we see that Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist. Then, right after that, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for what? For what reason? To be tempted by the devil. Anyone ever been tempted by the devil? (laughs) A few of you have. (laughs) Did anyone ever succumb to the devil? Nobody in here ever did. (laughs) Show of hands. (laughs) Well, guess what? Jesus passed the test. He went through 40 days of temptations. He was tested just like us, and yet he never gave in to the devil. And he fought him off with the word. That's how he won. And so he needed to know the word in order to fight him off, right? So the more word we get in us, the easier our battle is. You know that? The easier it is, because then we're not trying to do it in our own strength. So, then, in the first part of chapter 4, we see that Jesus comes back, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The devil couldn't drive the Holy Spirit off of him. You know, when he got baptized with the Holy Spirit, I mean, baptized in water, the Holy Spirit descended on him. And that devil could not chase that Holy Spirit away from Jesus throughout all those temptations. And so uh, he kept on trying to tempt him, but he passed the test. So we're going to start in the 14th verse now, and we're going to read through this. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So in the beginning, here he is, he's teaching. He didn't say he was going around doing miracles. It wasn't time yet. It was time for the word to go forth. People had to know what he's there for, why he's there, what God can do for them. So he taught them, and he taught them. And it was such word that, my, you ought to hear this man talk. He talks like nobody we've ever heard before. So fame went throughout all the area. So verse 16, he came to Nazareth 
where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, this wasn't something new, he got up there, and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. Notice he looked for a specific scripture. He knew the scriptures. He was looking for something specific to tell the people. These were people that knew him well. So here he is. He's got this book and he opens it up and he starts reading. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, he's talking as a man. Because if he was here on the earth as the Son of God, why would he need the Spirit of the Lord to come upon him? Because he is God. But he laid aside all of that for us so that he could come as a man, go through the same temptations as us, live the same kind of life, that we live and still have the Spirit of the Lord upon him. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and anointed me. But what did he anoint him for? It wasn't just a feel good, was it? <laughs> He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So this was his commission. Now the acceptable year of the Lord it's called Jubilee. In Leviticus 25, 13, it talks about that. But in the Old Testament, it only happened every 50 years. Well, Jesus is saying, this is the accepted year. It's now Jubilee. It didn't matter whether it was year one, two, three, whatever. He says, this is the year of Jubilee. You see, in the year of Jubilee, all debt was canceled. That's why it was such good news for the poor. You don't have to be poor no more. <laughs> the slaves were set free. If you had been made a slave because you had owed someone a debt, it was all forgiven. You were let free. You were able to go back and get your land back. You were able to have your family back. Everything. He was saying, this year, you can have it all. You can have it all back. And he says, those that were sick, the blind, everyone, those who are oppressed. Isn't that the number one job of the enemy? 
is to oppress us, make us depressed, make us feel lonely, make us feel like nobody ever went through what I'm going through. What a liar. But he, he came to set at liberty the captives, those that were oppressed, everyone. And he's saying, this year, it's for everybody. And basically what he was saying, this day is for you. Every day, every year, it's for you. We don't have to wait 50 years anymore. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Some people don't even live to 50 years, so how would they ever get set free? But praise God, we don't have to wait anymore. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord God was upon Jesus. And he came to set everybody free. Well, verse 20 says, Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, no more waiting. No more waiting. Now you can walk in this. Has things changed? Some people try to tell us that, oh, things have changed. Well, Jesus isn't here anymore. He went to heaven. He's not here. So, you know, I guess this doesn't apply to us now. <laughs> oh, well, let's keep going here. <laughs> How many of you know that when you get born again that Jesus comes to live inside you? I hear a few amens, quite a few amens. We should be saying Amen. Praise the Lord. God is in me. Jesus is in me. Well, did that anointing leave him? So where is that anointing now? You mean it's in us? It's in me? It's in Joe? <laughs> it's in Cindy? It's in each one of us? He's inside of us, right? So the same anointing that he had is now within us. Amen? Amen. Woo! That should make us jump up and shout. <laughs> but you know, we're not called to just keep that anointing within us. And just let it be in there to make us feel good every now and then whenever we think about it. He's called us to use it like he did to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind. If you're blind... You need somebody to help you, right? 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim that this is the acceptable year. This is the acceptable time. We don't have to wait. We've got it all right now. So we're to minister that love of Jesus to others. And you know what? As we minister to others, it comes back. Whatever you give out comes back. Amen? As you give out, so it comes back. I just recently tried that. With, I gave a bunch of clothes away, and I got like three or four times as much back. And it's like, I got too many. I got to keep on passing them around. <laughs> it's like, hey, that's pretty good. This shirt I've got on was given to me. <laughs> that black top that I took off. And that was given to me. <laughs> and it's like, wow. So, you know, it's not always money that you get. We forget to count all of our blessings, don't we? Sometimes it's somebody's time, love, and attention. Sometimes somebody will just make a big old dinner for you or do something. That's all boils down to money. But anyway... We are always ministering to somebody. Whether we like it or not, the people around us we are ministering to. So my question is, how are we ministering to them? Are we lifting them up? Are we encouraging them by the word of the God? If they're going through a lot of sickness and disease or something or other, are we encouraging them to come up higher? Are we laying hands on them and saying, no, in the name of Jesus, sickness can't be on you? Or do we say, oh, you poor thing, let's see what the doctors say we can do to help you. Uh, let's get some, you know, I know this medicine that might help you or what. Well, now, if God leads you that way, that's one thing. But for the most part, if we're not giving them the word, we're pulling them down instead of pulling them up. They don't need to have that kind of a comforter. You ever hear of Job's comforters? They went to comfort Job, and the more they sat with him, <laughs> the more... <laughs> He wished they'd go away. <laughs> he even told them so. You're miserable comforters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, we've got to have the word in us in order to give it out. So we put the word in. When situations rise, the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Lord, is going to pull that word out for them. So in order to really help others, we have to have the word in us, right? Amen. So whatever you put in is what you're going to put out. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> but there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Guess what? <laughs> We've all missed it. 
I don't know. Is there anybody perfect in here that's never missed it in what they've said or what they've done? Is there anyone here that's never had to backtrack and try to explain to someone what they really meant because the way they took it was not the way it should be? You know, we're not perfect. We're not Jesus. But we have the anointing of him upon us and in us. Amen? So, God chose imperfect vessels. That's you and I. He doesn't have anyone else to choose. <laughs> All he's got is us, right? Who has he got that's perfect on this earth to choose? So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to read it verse 26. And we're going to go on down through chapter 2 a little bit. For you see your calling, brethren. We're all called to minister one another. You see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. And here's the reason. That no flesh should glory in his presence. All the glory goes to him. But of him... You are in Christ Jesus. Now Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, he became righteousness, he became our sanctification and redemption. All the things that we have need of, he became for us. That it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So, you know, when the enemy comes to you and says, oh, you're not good enough, look at that mistake you made, you can say, ah, but Jesus became my righteousness. Jesus redeemed me from this, and he's redeemed me from the curse of the law, so what you're trying to curse me with can't come on me because you can't curse God's anointed, and I'm anointed of the Lord. Amen? Yeah, we have to get tough with the devil. Yeah, he gets tough with us. He won't let up on us, and if he thinks he's got a little way in, he's going to keep on keeping on. And we have to stand up to him and say, no, you're not getting away with it because Jesus has already taken care of this for me and I don't have to put up 
with you. And you know what? He has to flee. The scriptures promise it. He has to flee. Amen? Now, Paul, in continuing on in the second chapter, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, which he could have. Paul was taught by the greatest. He knew the law. He knew everything. He, he wasn't ignorant on how to speak. But he said, I didn't come to you that way, for I determined not to know anything among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. So when he spoke to people, he wasn't like, uh, you know, I know it all. You guys listen to me. No, he knew that what he spoke had to be the word of God, had to be led by the word of God for to make any effect. And so when he says, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling, that wasn't afraid of them, but it was his reverence for God to make sure he was saying just what the Lord wanted him to say. He didn't want to represent himself. He wanted to represent Jesus, that he knows nobody but Jesus Christ. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. That doesn't mean that his words weren't persuasive, but he didn't use human wisdom to do it. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Do you realize that that power resides within us? That power of God. We have the ability to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They shall recover. Those are the strongest words in the English language. It's not a maybe. But if you let your mind start reasoning things out, guess what? You just negated the power of God. It's a matter of trusting by faith that yes, God's word is true. I believe his word. That's what I stand on. That's what we're going to do. And the whole reason for all of this is for God's glory. Do we want to see the glory of God manifest here on the earth? We're his vessels. The only way it's going to happen is through us. Are we willing? Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. I'll try to get over there myself. Now, I give you all these scriptures because, you know, my, my word doesn't mean anything. If it's not based on the word of God, 
So, 26, 126. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, that's us, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. I mean, it's available for everyone. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in you. That's our hope. That's the glory that we have, is that Jesus is living and residing within us. And the same power that resided on Jesus and in Jesus now is on us. It's in us. First Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are the temple of God? He doesn't live in a building anymore. You know that? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you? What I'm trying to stir up here today is that we're not weaklings. We don't have to put up with what the devil throws our way. And unfortunately, we get tricked so often and we end up putting up with what the devil is throwing our way. Because we live in this world. And we constantly have the thoughts that he bombards us with. But that's why we have to renew ourselves. We have to look at this and say, now, wait a minute. I am the temple of God. God resides in me. So what am I doing letting the devil take control of my situation? The more we practice it, the better we'll get at it. You know, sometimes the first time or two you try something and it doesn't work out. Well, if you think, oh, well, I just give up. No. We're strong in the Lord and it's like, no. I'm not going to let the devil do that. God's word is more powerful, stronger than anything that I could possibly have come into my life. Second Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read the first verse and the seventh verse. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Yeah, we made mistakes, but we receive mercy and we don't lose heart. We keep on going. Verse 7, but we have this treasure or this message that we're trying to get out. We have it in earthen vessels. This old body is just earth. It's going to go back to earth. Once our spirit leaves us, 
it's going to become dust. But we have a treasure in this. As long as the Spirit of God is within us, we have a treasure. And that's the message that God wants us to get out. That, we, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. If we weren't in this earthen vessel, then we wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't be able to give God the glory because we'd be putting it on ourselves. Oh, look what I did. I helped that person. Oh, feel good. If you are truly helping somebody because of the love of God in you, you're going to be happy when you see them respond and see the love of God working in their life. And it's going to make you feel humbled. Every time I've been in a, in a large service and seen many, many people touched by the Lord, I have come away so humbled that God would choose me to work through me. Never once did it make me feel, oh, look how good you are. No. I've always wanted to run and hide and say, God, thank you. God, you did it. It was you who did it. And that's because we allow God to take this earthen vessel that we are and we say, Lord, use me. And he speaks through us. He flows through us. It's like a river of his anointing that just flows through us. And you say, well, how, how can I get to this point where this happens? Well, Paul prayed for his people. His, those that were under him. And we're going to take a look at the prayer that he prays. And this we can pray for ourselves in Ephesians chapter 1. There's several prayers, but we're just going to look at this one. Starting at verse 15. Hallelujah. I pray this one almost every night. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Isn't that what we're supposed to do is pray for one another? <clears throat> that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We're getting to know him, God the Father. The eyes of your understanding are being enlightened, or they're, they're being opened up to what the truth is, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. He's called us. What's that calling for? The hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Do you know that we are God's inheritance? If we give our lives unto him, 
then he has an inheritance. Otherwise, he's like a childless father. But when we come to him and we offer ourselves unto him, we become his inheritance. Let's start at verse 18 there again. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. That power is for us. Exceeding greatness. And what did, you, what, what did God do with that power? Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He took him out of hell, out of Satan's uh, prison. He took him right out of there, and he set him there at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. That's Satan's world. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. If you really study this out and and understand what this is talking about, God has placed us in Jesus Christ, in his body, above anything that Satan could do. Anything that's going on here, anything that's attacking you in this life, on this earth, we are above it. We win. Satan can't win. Because he's way down there. Every now and then it'd do you good to just look way down there and say, ha! <laughs> Who did you say you are? What name are you bringing to me today? Ah. We're above every name. Jesus is above every name and we're in him. It doesn't matter what they call it. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the IRS says. It doesn't matter who the in-laws, I don't know, whatever, whatever anybody says. It doesn't matter because we're far above. Amen? And it does us good just to laugh at it every now. Because, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't know how to laugh at the devil, 
He's got you. <laughs> but when he comes and he says, ah, guess what? Guess what I'm going to do to you today? And you say, ha, 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 you can't do anything to me because I'm above and not beneath. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And he's already won the battle. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you say, oh, but I've missed it so much. Well, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. See if I can find it. <laughs> Verses 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Our confession is our faith, okay? Our conf you could say our confession of faith. Let's hold fast to what the Word says. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Oh, so you messed up? Hmm. Well, he, but he was tempted in all points, in all points was tempted as we are. But he did it without sin. So therefore he has the right to intercede for us. Amen. Now this is what I want you to see, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly. I'm not coming as this, oh Jesus, I messed up again. I'm not worthy to be called your child. <clears throat> Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Yes, we need to repent. Yes, we need to say, I blew it. Forgive me, Lord. But we come boldly with confidence, knowing he already knows. He already paid the price. He's already forgiven. Just like the prodigal son, he was looking for you to come back and say, come on, come on. Guess what I've got for you? We're going to have a party. We're going to have a big feast. We're going to have the fatted calf. I'm going to put a ring on your finger. I'm putting the robe of righteousness on you securely. And stop taking it off. <laughs> uh, sorry if I get a little dramatic, but that's me. And I'm not sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so I shouldn't say I'm sorry about it. Okay. <laughs> God is good. You know, he makes every one of us unique. Every one of us, God uses in a special way. I've had Pastor Jim say to me, I couldn't do it like you do. Well, guess what? I couldn't do it like he does. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best when it comes to preaching the word. <laughs> uh, I get a little carried away every now and then. Because I like having fun. I like having fun at the devil's expense. Amen? Because who am I? <laughs> I'm in Christ. I'm not standing here in my own ability. 
if I were, <laughs> you'd see me running out the door. <laughs> I've been through some times. You talk about panic, I've been there. But God is faithful. <laughs> John 14. 14, 12 to 14. This is what Jesus says about us. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I like to talk about places. In Jesus' name is a place. Faith is a place. And unless you're in that place, you can't use it. Like for us to just say, oh, in the name of Jesus. Well, it's not something you just tag on to something. It's a place of faith that you're in. Hallelujah. But Jesus gives us the confidence by saying this. He says, you're going to do greater works than what I did. And in my name, you ask anything, and I'm going to do it. So we have his confidence. I got to find my place. Okay. I think I was going to read a couple other visit, uh, verses down from that, 15 to 18. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus is saying that anointing, what the Holy Spirit put on me now is for you. That anointing has come and it lives and dwells. Every person that has ever received Jesus Christ has the anointing within him because Jesus was anointed, so therefore we are anointed. In Isaiah 10, 27, we're going to read that one out of the King James Version. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So, do you feel sometimes that there's a yoke around you? 
keeping you from doing things? Is there a burden you're carrying? It's the anointing that's going to break that yoke. Amen? It's not us. It's not our wise words. But it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Turn to 1 John, the second chapter, and verse 2. I mean 20. <laughs> she knows where I'm going. First <laughs> John 2:20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Do you know that you have knowledge of everything that you have need of? That's because the anointing is within you. And you will recognize the truth. This anointing that is there, if we tap into it, we will always have the right word to say. We will have the peace to know that this is the way God is leading. If I'm ministering to somebody, he's going to give me the right words to say. I don't have to think up of what it's going to say. I don't have to plan way in advance. advance. Okay, uh, somebody's going to come to me and they're going to have this. And so I have to know this and this and that. No. The Holy Spirit will give you right then what you should say, what you should do. You know all things. When you minister to people... You're not alone. He's there to help you. So, before you ever say anything to somebody, just say, Holy Spirit, what would you say? What do you want me to say? How would you want me to treat them? And he'll help you every time. We need to believe God for the impossible. Because with God, all things are possible, right? Don't we say that? Don't we believe that? God can do anything. Well, we have to believe for it. We have to believe for the impossible. We have to trust God for the impossible. That's what belief is, is just trusting. Just trusting that what he's saying is right. So let's, we're going to go to Mark, the ninth chapter. Isn't his word good? I always like to give you a feast, you know. <laughs> you get plenty of word. This is Jesus. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. We're called believers, right? We're Christians. We're believers. Do we believe? Do we really trust God? Can we? Is he almighty? Is his word true? It says here, if you can believe... 
All things are possible to him who believes. You know, there's a difference between just agreeing with something and believing. You can hear something over and over and over and say, yeah, I know that's true. I believe that. But what you're saying is I, I'm agreeing with it. I am, you know, my mind knows it's true. But does the heart agree and say it? It's like looking at something from afar, from a distance. Like we're saying, yeah, I believe I'm healed. Someday it's going to happen for me. Well, where does that put it? It's in the future. It's always in the future. We're never quite, you know the story about, you know, tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to get it, you tell the little boy. Tomorrow is coming. Well, does tomorrow ever come? Because when it does come, it's tomorrow's now another day. It's not today. So we have to uh, believe that it's now. Now I have it. Like I said, faith is a place. We can like draw a line here and say, okay, here's faith, and over here is... Uh, I agree, it's happening. I can look across the fence and see it. I'm looking across the fence, I see it's there. But faith says, I have it now. It's mine. I'm stepping over into this place. That's what faith is. So, we want to Look at what God has put within us. We need to accept right now his anointing is within me. Anything and everything I have need of, it's already there. Luke 1.37 says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Are you facing an impossible situation? Well, you know what? In verse 38, Mary went a step further and entered into faith, and she said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord... Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever your word says, that's what I want in my life. And then the angel departed from her. And we had the biggest miracle that ever occurred. Mary, the mother of a child that knew no man. But she believed God. <clears throat> 